Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. I am your host, Miles Dawson. Joining me today, we have Francisco Geronimo, John Delaney and Marta Pinto. I wonder if we could go around the table very quickly and just introduce yourselves and give you a little bit of your coverage at IDC. Hi Miles, this is Francisco Geronimo and I lead the research on devices in Western Europe. Hello again, Miles. This is Marta. I'm a research manager focused on mobile phones. And hi, I'm John Delaney, and I focus on 5G network technology and its applications. Fantastic, and welcome all. So, we're here today to talk about MWC. Now, I, I don't really need to introduce this, do I? I think it's, it's the largest mobile-specific technology show in the world. It's, it's not exactly a, uh, a, a niche event. But nevertheless, IDC have had a decent presence there for a number of years, including hosting our pre-MWC brunch on the Sunday before the show kicks off. We do that every year now. This year's MWC theme was all about intelligent connectivity. And uh, this is really going to be enabled by 5G or so, I'm told. So the question I want to post to you guys is, is 5G really coming? And what the impact to the market is going to be? Um, John, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that first. Yeah, and it's a good question, Miles, because it gives me the opportunity to say that the answer is yes and no, <laughs> which is always good. Um, the short answer is yes. Uh, two years ago, the industry decided to split the standardization process of 5G into two phases. And the idea behind that was to accelerate the ability to bring to market 5G services. Um, and pretty much the, the, the industry stuck, stuck to the timeline that it set uh, at that time two years ago, which is quite an achievement, actually. Uh, and that timeline called for the simultaneous availability of 5G network equipment and 5G smartphones. Uh, and indeed, in uh, Mobile World Congress 2019, we saw uh, both 5G network and 5G smartphone products very prominent indeed. And we've also heard from a number of operators that they're going to be bringing uh, 5G to market in 2019, although there are some who are probably going to wait until the following year. But it's also more complicated than that because 5G is going to be uh, emerging in several different ways of capability. Later on, we're going to see things like low latency, like network slicing that, that uh, make 5G able to support applications that mobile networks simply can't do today, like remote command and control, for example, and like uh, mission critical application support for enterprises. Those things are not here yet. And they're not going to be here yet in any significant volume for a couple of years. That didn't stop a lot of people talking a lot about them at MWC 19. And that's one of the things that concerns me a bit. We'll come on to that in a little while. So, Marta, is that the case then? Um, were there any main devices announced at MWC that had 5G enabled? Oh, my God, don't even get me started. It was, <laughs> it was a feast of, of launches starting uh, earlier the week before the, the MWC. Uh, you had Huawei, you had ZTE, you have LG. Samsung, all the major brands and even the smaller brands or even niche brands like Energizer launching 5G devices or 5G ready devices, let's put it this way. So you had foldable, non-foldable, <laughs> you had with huge batteries, you had a bit for everyone all in 5G ready. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. There's a lot of uh, devices that were announced at MWC all brands or major brands are bringing their own versions of, of uh, 5G handsets and uh, even at different price points where vendors like Xiaomi are now starting even before 5G is available in the, in the hands of consumers they are now starting to get the prices 
down straight away because they believe it will be a mass market product in the coming years and uh, and they are trying to push the prices straight away uh, to uh, to a more affordable devices the, the the point here and and the question mark is how fast will 5g handsets and smartphones uh, be adopted in the coming years and that's that's where i agree with john uh, 5g is here plenty of devices the services will be available um, this year but what's the uh, compelling proposition that a 5g device will bring to consumers when they have already a high-end devices and when they are spending more and more on the on their phones so what's the point of buying a 5 G device today when they spent over a thousand euros on the latest phones. So um, unless uh, operators bring appealing and attractive services that are appealing to consumers to replace their current handsets, I think the adoption will take some time. And indeed, IDC forecasts that in the next five years, 5G handsets will represent a very small percentage of the total smartphones shipped in the in EMEA. No, it's really interesting, and uh, the thing that got the most attention from MWC was the foldable form factor. Um, it's been in the works for many years, but um, it's happening now. But the question that I, I think is the key thing is, is it just going to be a fad? Francisco, what do you think? Yeah, that definitely. Uh, foldable phones were the biggest uh, uh, announcements that we saw at MWC from a device's perspective. And indeed, when I got my hands on the on the Huawei Mate X, I, were, I got really excited because this is one of the moments in the industry that can definitely change the course of the, the handsets that we're going to uh, see over the, the next years. And I haven't seen a disruptive device like this one um, in, in for many, many years because it really changes the way we interact with devices. We really changes these boring uh, flat screens that we have on our hands, uh, regardless of how good they are. And now we are opening the hardware to more experimentation, to different concepts, even uh, wearable and other kind of devices that the flexible displays will allow uh, for consumers to have different hardware and different uh, options in the years to come and this is really really exciting and to talk about uh, new other interfaces we also had LG launching a device uh, where, where you can interact by just doing gestures so it's not only voice and touch now it's also gestures and you had Nubia launching the device on the, oh, no. the, the wearable yes. smartphone. The wearable smartphone. It's basically a wristband with your smartphone, so it's flexible again. And instead of using just on your ear, you can use it on your wrist. So it's a we, combination of smartwatch. We saw, we saw flexible displays everywhere. everywhere. Mm -hmm. Every single booth they had some sort of... Uh, of flexible displays and use cases for flexible displays and this is a technology that I've, I've seen many many years ago and now it got to a point where it's ready for prime time and it's ready for commercial applications so it's not just about the smartphone it's also about all other devices uh, that we will see from now on um, from phones to wearables uh, to all sorts of applications and that's quite an interesting we got to a point where smartphones cannot grow much more otherwise they are not we cannot put them in our pockets and we still need to put them in our pockets to ca carry them around and that's the, the the big value proposition with foldable when you combine that with 5g that's a very explosive combination 
And if you think of Royal Booth at Mobile Congress, uh, you have flexible displays, not just in smartphones. You have flexible displays in cars, uh, you have flexible displays in purses, uh, even in shelves in supermarkets. So it's a completely out of control, <laughs> uh, flexible display uh, show. Um, you had a, a taster in CES in January, but now at Mobile World Congress it was um, the major brands bringing smartphones uh, to real life with, this, with flexible displays. So another important case that I wanted to bring up, um, particularly when it comes to the application of 5G, is uh, the Internet of Things, or IoT. Um, they tend to be talked about a lot when it, uh, together. So, John, I wanted to understand your view on that and whether you think it's one of the most important use cases. IoT is certainly an important use case of, of 5G, uh, but also of um, 4G. Uh, and it's, again, it, it comes down to this succession of phases that we're going to see with 5G, where, where different capabilities come on stream at different times. Uh, one of the things that are happening at the same time as, as 5G is something called low power wide area, LPWA, in 4G networks. And basically what that means, it's a way of, of uh, connecting devices to the network that draw much lower power than a smartphone. You know, in other words, IoT devices, sensors and, and actuators. Uh, one of the reasons that you need to do that is because um, eventually there'll be a lot more of those devices connected to a, a given cell site than, than smartphones. So there's a need to have a, a denser connectivity in terms of the numbers of devices than, than uh, has been the case in traditional mobile networks. Now, this LPWA upgrade on 4G will expand that to some extent and probably, in fact, expand it to support operators' needs for the next three or four years in terms of you know, the, the number of new IoT devices uh, being connected to the network. It's only really at that point that we start to exceed the capabilities of 4G, even with LPWA, and then we really need uh, the, the denser, more numerous uh, connectivity per cell site that, that 5G can support. That's not to say that 5G won't play some important roles in IoT in the meantime. So, for example, uh, if you've got an application that requires the, the enhanced mobile broadband case of 5G, which is the one that's going to come on stream first. So think, for example, a high-definition video camera on a drone, which is sending, uh, sending footage in real time back to an AI system for analysis. You know, that's, that's a machine at either end of the connection, so it's IoT, but it also needs very high bandwidth. In the uh, in the network, so that that that's an application that, for example, could could potentially benefit from 5G at an earlier stage than the uh, you know, the dense connectivity, the MMTC case, as it's as it's usually referred to. And you know, so we have to remember that IoT is is a very wide ranging umbrella term that that covers a lot of applications, and some of those applications will benefit from 5G at an early stage. The bulk of them probably will, will benefit at a later stage when uh, when the capacity of 4G of connection density starts to run out. Brilliant. Thanks for that, John. So the last thing I wanted to ask, um, as a closing thought, if you will, is whether you have any recommendations for the industry players to make 5G successful in the coming years. So, Marta, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yes, my recommendation would be that don't uh, market 5G as gigabit LTE. Whenever you present a device or a service that's a 5G service, you really need to show the difference. Users will pay um, the premium price, but you need to show 
there's a premium service. Yeah, that's a good point. 5G is not just about faster connectivity. It's above all about a better experience. And that's what manufacturers should focus on, bringing better experiences to consumers rather than just more speed. And another important thing is that uh, they need to set expectations right and need to to uh, be clear with their customers that uh, when buying a 5G handset, they may not be using a 5G service, at least in the first few months. Uh, and most consumers will not understand that. So they need to make sure that 5G uh, will be available and uh, they are enabling um, consumers with a 5G handset, but they not, may not be experiencing 5G at full capability, um, at least in the first few months. Yeah, I think my main recommendation, and this harks back to the concern that I mentioned earlier uh, for, for operators and indeed for the wider industry, is don't promise too much too soon with 5G. This one is going to be all about a succession of different capabilities, but that isn't stopping an awful lot of people talking about some really advanced things like uh, you know, connected cars, like uh, industrial automation, like uh, mobile high-definition VR. Those things are feasible eventually, but they're not going to happen for a long time on 5G. And I think that the danger is that we start getting fired up about those things, and then 5G comes along, and it's a better mobile broadband. And, you know, if, if, that is the, if that's the case, I think we're risking a lot of disappointment in the early 5G market and and then later on probably a backlash which will damage the prospects for 5g when it really can start to do those advanced things so yeah, take it steady don't over promise and bear in mind always the timeline the timeline is the key one for 5g marketing do you think that 5g has got far more of a commercial play than a consumer play at least in the next five years that is something that i've heard quite a lot again at mwc19 some people saying that they think that it's going to be really about the enterprise market uh, rather than the consumer market in, in the early phases. I'm not necessarily convinced about that uh, for two reasons, really. One, one is that, the, as I said earlier, you know, the first 5G services are going to be all about smartphones and, and broadband. And that's as much a consumer use case as it is an enterprise use case. The other reason, I think, is, is that operators simply can't afford it to be uh, an enterprise niche. You know, th th these, these are expensive things to, to roll out. Uh, and I think in order to justify the return on their investment, they're going to have to make it something that appeals to the wider market as well as simply to the enterprise. So thank you all very much, and I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can follow us on SoundCloud or your favourite podcast app, and don't forget to get in touch with us on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and on Twitter, where our handle is IDC underscore Amir. We'll also put the Twitter handles for our guests in the description of the podcast below. And thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, thank Miles. You. Pleasure as always. <laughs>